Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. Damn, I am excited for this one. It is with Neil Westfall from A Day to Remember. And this episode was a long time coming. If you've been following the podcast, you know I did an episode with Alex Shelnut, their drummer, earlier last year. And it was a super popular episode. And just overall, I really love this band as people. They're all like super rad people. And it's a massive shout out to Adam Elmacias for introducing me to any and all of them. So this episode was a long time coming. Neil and I had kind of bonded over a bunch of other hobbies that we have outside of music, like cars and gear and restaurants. But I really honestly didn't know his story when it came to like the band and his early days and where he grew up and his perspective and take on the band growing so much and ultimately blowing up. And the conversation ended up being so good that we talked for almost two hours. So I'm splitting it into two and it kind of splits perfectly. The first half is him just talking about his perspective of the band coming up their early days, starting as a band in Florida, starting to tour, all of those super memorable moments of like ADTR, like really becoming a big band and some of his favorite memories from that. And then the second half is what he's up to now. All of his new endeavors. He just opened a restaurant with his wife in Florida. He's been streaming on Twitch a ton. He started a podcast with Adam where the band is currently at right now. All of that. So it's kind of this perfect split into two episodes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss part two. Episodes drop every Monday. And another thing that I wanted to say is I just started the Where Are All My Friends Patreon. And in that, I uploaded an entire bonus episode with Neil about us specifically nerding out on like touring and how much we love tour and his experiences going on tour with Blink-182, which is one of his favorite bands. We talk all about that. We talk a lot about like some of our mutual friends and some deep dives on some of our hobbies. So if you feel like supporting the show on a whole other level, and if you feel like hearing those extra deep dives of his stories, go to the Patreon now. You'll find it there. That's patreon.com slash where are all my friends, or you can find it on the website, which is just where are all my friends.com. All right, that says it all. Let's get into a great episode. All right, where are all my friends? What a special episode. We are with Neil Westfall from A Day to Remember. And I think this was a long time coming, but uh, it worked out in a really cool way. Massive shouts to El Micaias because without him, I don't think this would have happened. He really started all of this friendship. He was the reason that I got to talk to Shellnut last year. I'm really hyped that we're getting to do this because outside of a day to remember, I feel like there's a lot of things that you are doing that I am genuinely interested in. And even like right before we started recording, we were just talking about like the blessing and curse of deep diving into what starts as hobbies and then just goes even further. And I'm really curious, like I want to hear about all these things on a deeper level, because since meeting you through Adam, I have been in California, you've been in Florida, and we haven't like properly gotten to like chop it up. So I, I'm really, really excited for this episode on so many levels. I feel like there's going to be so many parallels and so many things. So thank you. Yeah, man. Any chance I get to talk about myself, it's uh, no, <laughs> no oh I, I, uh, it's very rare that you get to meet someone uh, that kind of shares the way that it takes to take a hobby to something more, you know, like, and, and I, I find myself doing that a lot and like to meet someone that cares about like all the things that I'm interested in, I can probably like, can this podcast be like seven hours long? Cause I could literally talk about all these things for like 
Dude, on my list, I'm like, it's going to be dangerous because I have Winter Park Biscuit Co. You started a restaurant with (laughs) your wife and it looks amazing. You get it. You understand the aesthetic. You understand how to do it. All of that. You are now a dad and that's freaking cool. And I want to know your perspective on that and how much that changed things for you. You've been streaming on Twitch and you've been doing a damn good job of that. This isn't just like, I, I don't know, like the way even right now as we're talking, you have a very proper audio and video setup, and you <laughs> took the time to care and set it up so intentionally. So that in itself, you have unicorn tones, which yeah. is it has to come from just being the product of loving guitar and tinkering all the time. Mm-hmm. You have a podcast with Adam. Yeah. And that in itself, when we were texting, you complimented something on my production, and you don't understand. That was like, that's like Michael Jordan being like, hey, you're good at basketball i actually don't know I about mean, sports but i, I think that's that, what that's but... like because i use your guys's audio as the bar for a reference of like audio needs to sound this good oh thank you so yeah um and just the subject matter and all that i think that's cool like i love you both so like hearing you break it down and pay it forward to people that want to learn how to tour and all that like props for doing something fucking cool for the community yeah you got it and then also there's trucks and cars yeah. and you know the mutual homies at O-Town Customs. And I think you built a really sick truck, right? Uh, we have two that we are building. Yeah. yeah. What year? Uh, I have a what 58 years? Chevy that's like the one that we're building from the ground up. And then I have a 66 uh, C10 that's on like a 87K 24 x 4 frame that's uh. just obnoxious and loud and really hard to drive but also like amazingly fun so yeah Yeah. i've always been about the c10s more than the ford like the f100s and the 150s for some reason to me the c10 just speaks to me so there is a lot to talk about here Mm -hmm. and on top of that you are in a very successful band and i think you're one of the people that when i talk to you about music you're doing it for the right reasons like it does again right before we started recording awesome like the band has had a lot of success but you would go back to touring in a van any day and you would unload the trailer all by yourself any day like you just fucking love music and i I love talking to people like that i think it's so cool music is everything music gave me everything i mean i wouldn't be able to explore any of these hobbies if it wasn't for uh music so damn so i think this is going to be a fun one (laughs) um in, in an effort to guide it in some degree, what I was thinking, what I wanted to hear about, what I was really curious of is I too grew up in Florida and I think that you guys were maybe like one generation before me in music. And I, I really didn't start paying attention to music. Like I was skateboarding, I was into cars and music wasn't even really on my radar until probably 2006. And watching from that time to then like going and touring with a band in 2008, you couldn't not hear about a day to remember growing up in Florida. Like by that time, you guys were really starting to make your mark there. But I'm so curious for you, the very early days of like, what city did you grow up in? Where did you pick up a guitar? I think you joined the band really early, but Mm -hmm. I'm so curious of like that era and time. So um, I lived in a small town called Summerfield, which is about, 30 minutes south of Ocala. Um, okay. And I lived on a dirt road 
and they finally paved my road when I was in eighth grade. And so like I got into like skateboarding, uh, <laughs> like when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I was obsessed with yeah. Blink-182. Um, and then because of Blink-182, I found out about all of my other favorite bands through their favorite bands. Like they talked about like punk rock, like no effects, MXPX, Screeching Weasel, uh, Pennywise, um, AFI, yeah. Alkaline Trio, whatever the list goes on because music they listen to is like, I found out about them through, um, an older brother of mine, a half brother or a stepbrother of mine. He gave me green day dookie. And then he gave me uh, Cheshire cat by blink 182. And he gave me bone thugs in harmony. Uh, I forget the name, but it, it, he gave me these CDs and, um, and that kind of started my journey. I was like, I love this. And then as, Green Day kind of rose to commercial success, and as Blink One Eighty Two kind of rose to commercial success, um, I loved like pop music, so I would watch MTV, and I just like wanted to be like Blink One Eighty Two. I think their sense of humor really uh, grabbed me and brought me into that whole world. And I was like, "This is me! Like, I already have this sense of humor. And there's people out there that are just successful doing this, playing music. That's what I want to do." And so. Yeah. Um, I was living in the middle of nowhere, and me and my friend John John Kahn, who was the original bass player of a day to remember, we were in another. We started a band, and it was awful. It was like an MXPX really? Blink One Eighty Two cover band. It was called Magic Chinese, and then it was called Empty <laughs> Sink. <laughs> like I don't even know why. Um, and then we would like I like was taking like a, this graphic design class in high school or in middle school and we were learning how to print t-shirts and so I would sell t-shirts to all my friends at school so like I kind of got into learning about business and selling stuff to people and like kind of like marketing I, the band didn't even have music but all of my friends were wearing our t-shirts for empty sync when we were in middle school and um so from there we I joined this other band called two days too late which was the precursor to a day to remember Okay. Um, wow. So you were in bands before a day to remember. Yeah, but they like weren't real. Like they were just like we're gonna jam in our like we wanted to it, we put a name to like our practice. <laughs> like you know, like, like we very never much played. like middle school. Like, yeah, just, like, we didn't play shows. Everybody like, that had an instrument. I don't think I played a show until I was in a band called Two Days Too Late, and it was our. I played a three or four shows with that band. Uh, one was our t high school talent show. One was in Jacksonville. One was in um, Ocala at O'Malley's. That was like one of the first shows I ever played. And then, um, and I got kicked out of that band. I don't even know really? why. Yeah, I got kicked out because I think the other guitar player didn't like me. And like at the time we were, everyone was doing like jackass shit and like I'd always prank him and I thought it was like funny to like prank people and he just hated me because I was always like take it too far because that's just like my how who i am and um <laughs> so i got kicked out of the band and then tom joined the band which is the original guitar player of a day to remember okay uh tom was in that band for a little while uh, i was just f still friends with everybody and kind of hung out and did our we all did our thing whatever and um tom didn't care for the singer of two days too late because he wasn't like the best singer he kind of screamed more he was awful mm. singing and then so he mm. took john our original bass player and Bobby, our original drummer, and then went and started a band with Jeremy. And uh, they had this guy, um, 
Joe Barnes, who was the original guitar player, he never finished the show. He wanted to be like Kurt Cobain. He'd break his stuff and like a day to remember like wasn't about that. And so he would like spit on the crowd <laughs> and stuff and everyone's like... He went like a little too far yeah, rock like, star Joe, game at a little too much of a local band like, level. what the fuck, dude? Like just finish the show, <laughs> you know? So Joe got kicked out of the band. He actually helped name the band a day to remember. That's why they let him in the band to begin with. They mm-hmm. asked me to be in the band because I was friends with Jeremy and Jeremy's like, yo, what about Neil? Tom's like, yeah, I love Neil. John was my best friend. John's like, of course. Bobby was a good friend of mine. He's like, yeah, let's have Neil join the band. And so I joined the band like three shows into a day to remember. So they played three shows wow, without so you're me. You're pretty OG. I am. I am. It's me and Jeremy. Like we're the most OG a day to remember that it, there is. Um, wow. Okay. Wow. So we weren't even anything then like we were still kind of just like a band name that we practiced and we played shows that really not many people came to um and to paint the picture because i am as well florida man you're in you're still in ocala area going to school yeah and then because there's not really even venues no we would play churches i'm trying to think of we'd play like easy street was a spot that like we kind of made into a venue like they had this room that (laughs) they did birthday parties and we would <laughs> continuously do shows there. And then eventually like people knew Easy Street as like the venue of Ocala. And the it was a... So a day to remember made Easy Street. Well, I wouldn't... I mean, you yes and no. I'm going to say it. Yes and no. <laughs> you know, like I only take credit for that because we're the only band that still exists and we are still around doing whatever. So I'll definitely be say... Yeah, we made it, whatever. There was like a huge thriving local scene because of that venue and because of how cool um, the woman who managed it, she really just let it happen. She like let a, th- a scene thrive. And there was a couple of people that were do- promoting and doing shows and like Drew Russ from Seven Star would bring all the hardcore bands in and he would play at K&K. He would play at Tuscola Youth Center. Uh, we'd play at Easy Street and like random churches around the area that were like nice enough like some of the band members were, went there and they'd be like, yeah, you were like 15 ish. Yeah. I was 15 when I joined the band. And during that whole time, like I stopped going to high school when I was 16. Cause I was like, I'm going to be in a day to remember. Like that Whoa. didn't mean anything at the time. You know, it was like, I have life that I want to live. And I don't think anything that this school is teaching me. I just thought I knew everything, you know, like I thought like, I don't Damn. need to know. That's this. an interesting parallel too. Cause that's kind of part of Shellnut's story as well. Right? Like he was so obsessed with it by that point he was like i don't want to fucking be in school yeah well he we fucked him up <laughs> like not really like because he's an amazing he's he's an amazing dude uh but like we brought him on and, and we're like yo do you want to do this and at first he was like i don't know you know like he's like let me ask my mom <laughs> and it was kind of like that like we he saw that like we were in there and josh and i were kind of like his big brothers and we mentored him and kind of gave him like josh was the only one in our band that kind of went to college. So Josh gave him the other side of it. Josh is like the responsible one and the guy that kind of handles a lot of like the uh, more complicated business decisions and taking care of that thing and making sure everything's like thought about and handled on that sense. And then he had me who was like this person. I was like, at that time I was a psychopath and didn't care about anything. And I like had this car and I would always like jump these railroad tracks and do crazy ass shit and I thought like jackass was cool and I was a psycho I was straight edge so I was just like you had to like channel it in something else we just did the most fucked up shit so yeah so he had these like two separate like older brother figures that were very close to him in the band and he kind of probably like latched onto us and was like yeah I don't need to go to school I don't need to do any of that stuff I'm just gonna join a day to remember and do this 
Like, look at these two so guys. You were They're like doing it. And, that reckless and yeah. So wait, how, how old are you? I'm 33. Okay, so you're three years older than I am. And then that would mean that you're a little bit older than Alex as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. I get it. Yep. So then, okay, that you you have painted that picture so, so well. So you're like a day to remember as much as it was truly just a local band was like your, your high school band of mm-hmm. like completing the picture of jackass and skateboarding and just going around playing shows with your friends. Like that's the dream. Like oh, that's yeah. like, and also probably like pretty much the best way to live life in Florida at that because there's not really much else to do. Like that's, that's you figured true. it out. I mean, we would just hang out in Walmart parking lots. We would hang out in the parking lot of uh, like fast food restaurants and then we would go practice and then we would go hang out at parking lots again. Like there was nothing yeah. to do really. And then randomly there would be shows. And that was the other thing is anytime there was a show, we would be there like as like Whoa. patrons, like we would go support every show we went to. I think personally, I went to like from 2000, I don't know, three or four till like we started touring heavily. Like I probably went to every show in Ocala. Anytime there was a show, I was there. And Dude, because I'm trying to think, like, again, you were a little bit before me. Like, what year is that, that all this was happening? Um, Like 2000. So a date I remember started in 2005. So probably like 2004 until 2008. Um, yeah. So during that time, I was like, I wasn't quite paying attention to it. But like, I had uh, Tim from Under Oath on the podcast and I was talking to him about something similar as like, you kind of knew other Florida bands and there was like, there wasn't that much to like, you had to pay attention to other things and like going to shows and all that. So like what bands were coming through or like what bands were on your radar at that time? What venue, like would you drive to Tampa for shows or like the Orpheum ever? Like, yeah, yeah. we would, anytime we had enough gas money, like we were going to Gainesville all the time. So we'd go to like Covered Dish. We'd go to like 1982. We would go to, um, this little venue up there that was called like Sidebar. And then we go to Orlando and we go to the social. We would go to Sapphire Supper yes. Club before the social or the Beecham. Um, we would go to the House of Blues all the time. We would we would go to the Haven Lounge back in the day. That was like our first yeah. that was our first yeah. show in Orlando as a day to remember out like in no Orlando. Shit. And then we booked this show down in West Palm Beach with this guy named Lackey that I met through MySpace. And he yes. agreed to pay us forty dollars gas money to come and play this show at Spanky's, yes. which I knew was like the fucking venue. Cause I had a couple friends that like, I would go down to West Palm beach and we'd go to like hardcore shows and shit like that. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And we booked it and we drove down there in like Jeremy's dad's truck or something. And it was some, it was like something that was like really gnarly. And I think it cost us $60 in gas to get down there and get back. But the guy tried He's, he agreed to pay us 40 and then when we got down there, he's like, hey, guys, I don't really have any money. Like, here's like 10 bucks. I'm like, bro, we're already taking a loss. Like, you have to at least give us $40. These dudes are going to beat the shit out of me. I already told them that you were going to give us $40 and we're already having to pay whatever. So that was we that day we met this guy named JJ from South Florida who, his name is JJ Kasiri. He, you met JJ that far back? Yeah, we've known JJ for that long. So JJ, we <laughs> met him at, at Spanky's uh, on one of the first times we ever played uh, West Palm Beach. 
For there a was, listener who doesn't know, JJ is like still to this day a very successful booking agent and yeah. has been in the scene for a long time and is outside of, I would even say, rock music now. But that's just, it's fucking crazy. I didn't know that. I've never heard of an interaction that early with Yeah. Him. We met him that day and he basically was like, hey, I do shows down here. And if you use me as your promoter, you won't have to deal with anything like that. So him and Josh kind of became good friends and I became good friends with them. And then we started using JJ as our uh, contact for South Florida. And that's how we kind of got into that scene. And so we started playing Pompano. Wow. We started playing Fort Lauderdale. We started playing yeah. um, every, any chance we could play down there, we would. We just wanted to tour. We we wanted to play every show we possibly could. We looked up to bands like Newfound Glory. They had another, again, a DVD. It was called like The Story So Far which is probably how the band, the story so far got their name, that song yeah, wow. um, in that DVD by them. But it kind of just talked about how they started. They were like, you know, we'd email promoters and we'd be like, Hey, there's a tour coming through. Can we open? And we were like, Hey, we should do that. And so we started doing that and we would hit up people and be like, Hey, can we hop on the show and we could do this? And, and can we do that? And we met JJ and JJ started booking us super, super early on. And like if you go back and watch a second glance, the music video, like we beat the shit out of JJ Kasiri in that music video. Um, oh cause like that, God. like there's like a weird dice game that goes wrong and then we beat him up because like, he's trying to like steal the money or something. Oh my God. <laughs> like, and it's like, that's this a whole other level. Song. is like the detail that goes into day to remember music videos. Yeah. Oh man. Like even back then, like someone filmed this for free and we just used all of our friends that were hardcore kids from South Florida. Cause that's like what we were is we just like going to hardcore shows. And that's why a day to remember sound. It was like pop punk. Cause we had this love for like songwriting and pop punk and punk. And, but then we also were a part of this scene that was like hardcore and metalcore, And those were the shows that we were playing. And we wanted to kind of like, we wanted kids to come to our show and dance. We wanted kids to yeah. mosh and we wanted to fit in and we wanted to be accepted in this thing that we were already a part of as just like fans, you know? And so that kind of shaped Dude. us being from Florida at that time, like how important hardcore was to the Florida scene. And then also our love for like what we were already kind of into as just music fans. So, yeah. It's so crazy to hear that from you because again, even though I came into the music scene a couple of years after you in Florida, like the way you just said that is so true because it wasn't like oil and water, like hardcore kids and pop punk kids could get along, Yeah, but it was different. We were and all the were same. very different shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was like you would, it was all, you were all friends. Everybody was friends, but it was just a totally different vibe and a different energy. And I do really feel like A Day to Remember was one of those bands that both your pop punk friends and your heavy friends would would be wearing, you know what? The, they would all be wearing the fucking Pac-Man shirt. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the fucking <laughs> Pac-Man shirt? We still sell that. It's like, dude, we, we've probably made like 76 different versions of that shirt and it's been like probably one of our biggest selling shirts to date yeah that's how you knew if somebody in florida was wearing the pac-man shirt you were like all right well we're probably gonna be friends <laughs> that's <laughs> it's kind of crazy because like you know those early days that is uh i mean i guess i can it all kind of goes back to to like bands like evergreen terrace where they could fit in on any show like they were heavy and poppy and like they played those shows and we were like that's kind of cool we loved Evergreen Terrace. So we looked up to Evergreen Terrace when we were coming up and we loved like all the bands that were like underneath them, like Kids Like Us and Casey Jones. And we just, Seven Star, we just wanted to like fit in. 
like not even like in a weird yeah. way, but just like in a way like we love this so much we want to be a part of it, you know? Like Yeah, like it's so interesting to hear that because it's like I feel like not that a day to remember is misunderstood in any way, but it it's almost like the band got so big that like you guys were setting the bar and you guys were setting the standard and it was like everybody was focusing on looking to you. But as I hear about these early days, it's like you guys were just fans of music. Like you were looking up to all these people and you're like, oh, if, if these bands that we love are doing stuff like this, like we want to do stuff like that. And like even your videos and everything, like if you're having influences like that and you're seeing people have so much fun with music, that's just you guys being like, all right, well then if we are going to do a music video, how do we have the most fun with it? Oh, if yeah. we're going to play a show, how do we get the most people to dance? If we get like, it's just like you guys being genuinely stoked that you get the chance to do it. Mm -hmm. It's true. I mean, that's so fucking cool. We, and at the time it wasn't misunderstood. Honestly, anyone that we came in contact with that kind of had any success in music was like, well, you just seem confused. <laughs> you know, like you can't be <laughs> this mosh band and then have a pop punk song that's on acoustic that talks about getting butterflies and you can't have them on the same album and you can't do these things and you can't have a shirt designed with like murder and whatever. And then have a shirt designed with like Pac-Man and flowers and, and, and then you can't make fun of yourselves in one music video and then be serious in another music. Video. It's like at the time when we were just like, you know, we're just going to do it and we don't care what anyone else says and we are just having fun. So it doesn't really even fucking matter. It's like, it wasn't about yeah. like being successful at that point. It was about just doing it and having fun. And yeah. it was successful because of that and not taking However, ourselves too can, seriously and all this other shit, you know? I could add a point to that from an outside perspective growing up in Florida and seeing it because that was starting to happen. Like you guys kind of uh, pioneered something accidentally from what you loved. And the, the credit that I have to pay you and the thing to realize about it is, yes, you mixed things that theoretically you couldn't do, but you actually did it really, really well. And you guys are all like the albums that you put out. Like when I go back and listen to other local bands or other bands from Florida that were putting albums out in 2005 that were trying to mix any type of like synth or like hardcore like all these things like it doesn't hold up the same way so it's like yes you were earnestly just looking up to these bands and trying to do things that you liked but there is an amount of skill that i have to say that a day to remember had that other bands didn't and i don't know what that is but like i think that that's it was jeremy a piece that made it work <laughs> <For real. laughs> really is that yeah, just like no really he's just a genius man he when it comes to songwriting and uh making something catchy like you know because like like we would just we were just writing things right like we would write things that we liked and i'm like let's do this breakdown or, or someone's like let's put this two-step part in he just had this chorus right and the chorus anchored yeah. the whole thing like the the chorus made yeah. uh all these other ways that we pushed the boundaries like acceptable right like you always had this yeah. anchor like you it was catchy yeah. but it was also like edgy in this other way that was like us trying to figure out who we were as musicians and artists and writers. And then he always anchored it in with like, you know, an incredible top line or an incredible like breakdown line or an incredible chorus melody lyric situation that like, it's just that dichotomy of like us being and pushing and doing everything that we could to like further 
us and then having him be like a master at his craft without even really mastering his craft yet like he was figuring it out too yeah yeah we just got lucky because like we like i said we found each other and we were all in that right place to kind of take advantage of what we were all good at you know and push each other in ways that a lot of times uh bands don't get and that's why they kind of wither away or or never really reach their true potential because they just aren't mirrored by somebody else like we had five people that were like we mirrored each other in ways that pushed each other higher and better at everything that we were trying to do that's so fucking cool and a lot of people don't get that and that's why i think that we're so lucky and that's why i think that we were so successful or and and can still be successful is because we still have that and we still push each other in those ways even now as men rather than like friends or young guys you know together figuring out life so yeah no and like i i I think you just said that so so well and that that explains it and and i get it and i feel it and i see it firsthand and also kind of as a spectator from like seeing the florida scene and seeing what you would do and all of that and then kind of becoming a little bit closer with you guys through adam or then hearing the stories like you said that and it all clicks in my head where i'm like oh yeah Yeah. cool (laughs) so again because there's so much that i want to talk about a lot of the day to remember story has been told right like yes there's plenty interviews, all of that. But the one thing that I think is magic and the last piece of the band that I'm curious of from your perspective is um, moments to you, specific moments in these days. Like where do you remember any moments where you're like, wait a minute, this is real or like these standout moments of like where it started to happen or you're like, whoa, like yeah. people showed up to this show or just like those nuances, you know, like. I have a couple. That. Um, I can kind of like start super far back. Like when I knew that like us, what we were doing was like working. Uh, there was this show yes. on July 4th at that venue, Easy Street. Uh, and yeah. there was like every band from Ocala at that time was playing this show. And um I don't remember if like it was something we put together. It was someone, something someone else put together. I think it was actually something someone else put together because eventually we started to promote all of our own shows just so we could kind of keep that money and start building and like paying for stuff like bands and recordings and stuff for ourselves. Like we, that's how we supplemented that. But this show was like something that someone else was putting on and they're like, all right, you guys are going to, you guys are like going to play last. And we're like, we don't want to play last. Like, come on. They're like, you guys are the biggest. We're like, we're not the biggest. Like we weren't, you know, like, um, and so we're like, okay, whatever. I remember just sitting in the van the whole day. Like Tom had traded his car. for. It's like one of those like all day Florida festivals. Yeah. Like Tom traded his car for this (laughs) shitty van that had no air conditioning. And he was basically living in this van at the time. And so I remember just sitting in this van, uh, sweating our ass off. It's July 4th in Florida. It's fucking hot as fuck. This, this venue we're playing at is a, like I said earlier, it's just like this room that was for birthday parties. And then there was an arcade and then there was a go-kart track. And then there was a, it was in the parking lot of a movie theater in Ocala. That sounds amazing. It was pretty cool. Um, but when you've been there so many times that you don't want to spend money on like the arcade anymore and you're not going to ride the go-karts because they're not really that fun and you just, you can't go see a movie and whatever. You're just like there, right? It's hot <laughs> yeah, as fuck. There's really no word the to go. There's like to, all these people yeah. that are like, there's like seven-year-olds in the arcade. And you have like all your friends that are like watching the bands and whatever. Yeah. Okay. So you're just in the parking. We're just there melting. Um, (laughs) 
trying to survive, whatever. And we we finally get up there, and we're all kind of like annoyed that we had, like had to wait, and we we didn't know we were going to play last. And then we played, and like everyone moshed for us. Everyone stayed, and and people were singing along, and we were like, whoa. And I think we sold like four hundred dollars worth of merch. It was like the first show we had like real merch that we worked on, and it was like really shitty designs. Uh, we, me and Jeremy, like we made this merch board that we like put up at the merch table. Like we spent like the whole night before doing all this stuff, and we didn't know like that the it was going to be display kind of vibe. Yeah, and well, it had like a rope light, and then it had yeah. like a pegboard that we would like stuck all the the shirts. We pinned them to this pegboard. And it was like kind of dangerous because the back was like all spikes from all the sp- things that we stuck <laughs> through. Um, and so uh, we sold like $400 worth of merch. People sang along, people danced. And we were just like, whoa, that was the first time people were like excited to see us. And we played last and no one left. And we were just like, holy shit, that was fucking cool. That was rad. Like this might be yeah. something, you know? And at yeah. the time I was just like, yep, I'm going all in. I was just like, fuck it. I'm not going to high school anymore. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's all he needed, you know? I was like, fuck it. I don't yeah. care. This is it. This is what I'm doing. I'm playing music for the rest of my life. This That feeling is what I'm chasing, that that right there. The other was, we were like, just got done doing our first US tour. We toured with this band called uh, Blessed by a Broken Heart and Four Known. Um, and it was the first time we had seen like California and we had obviously uh. done like a bunch of regional stuff and East Coast touring and Florida touring. Um, and this was the first time we went all across America. We probably shouldn't have. We didn't really make yep. any money. We played a bunch of really cool shows, met a bunch of really cool people that we're still friends with us, a lot of them today. Um, but what year was this tour? This was like 2000. Uh, it was before we recorded For Those Who Have Heart. So we were like, we had those oh, songs wow. and we were playing those songs from For Those Who Have Heart, but we hadn't recorded them yet. Like they were like demos. Um, oh, and we were like, had some cool. demo stuff up on MySpace. So like we were doing that. So it was before 2007, yeah. I think. It was when I came home and we would kind of go and hang out with people and people had these bands that they like looked up to and they like liked. But then like I considered those people friends. They were just like, oh man, did you see that this one band played this show? Whatever. And like, I'm like, I know Ted from whatever band. And and I didn't like say this out loud, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm friends with these people. Like they're like yeah, my friend, they're my like peers. in an egotistical way. You're just like, oh, like wait, I, I just yeah, thought it was like so I'd... cool. Cause I'm like, man, I know this person like on a real level and this is so badass. And and that was like another moment where I was like, oh man, like we're kind of making it out of this town and we're kind of like people that look at us as just people like, hey, that's Neil, whatever. I've known him from Summerfield, whatever. We went to fifth grade together. And they're talking about these bands and I'm like, that's my friend that you're talking about. That's my friend's band that like they're on our level and we play shows and we do just as good as they do in other states and no one here even knows that yet. Um, and like, oh, that was like another moment where I was like, oh man, that was like that early sign where you're like, if they look at them like that, then this is going to be us. Yeah. And I thought that was really fucking cool. Cause I'm like, man, not only are they talking really well about my friends and my peers that we've kind of toured together and kind of roughed it across America and done all this shit with, uh, and had like real life changing experiences with, but like we do just as good at them as good as they do, or if not better in certain areas. And these people have no idea. And I was just yeah. like, man, maybe we are going to do this. Maybe this is going to work out. And it was just another like Fuck, affirmation cool. of like, okay, you're doing the right thing. And this is like a really cool fucking thing. And you should just keep doing it. And 
again, that was kind of early on as well. But yeah, those are two things that kind of come to mind. That super answers it. I'm just obsessed with hearing those, right? Because obviously, like, it's you can go look at any social media now and you can pretty quickly be like, oh, wow, yeah, Data Remembers Huge. They put out music with Marshmallow and this is all crazy and these massive tours. But it's like that all started somewhere and those moments are so important to me. So thank you. That's cool. That's real cool. All right. Take me, take me up to speed. Let's, let's jump right on into the current now because outside of the band, I think that there's something about you. And like earlier you said, it's like music afforded these opportunities to you. Like if it wasn't for music, you wouldn't have been able to like really deep dive into some of these things. But I'm really impressed by what you've paid attention to and the things that you have gotten into outside of just the band. I, I think that a lot of people could put their feet up and just be like, yeah, cool. I'm in a successful band. We're good. I'm chilling. But that's not the case with you. Like you have really gotten into some cool things. Like, I guess let's start with the the restaurant okay. because that's quite the undertaking. Yeah. And I'm really interested in that. And I think that's also cool because a big part of that is with your wife, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. 